CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live Bible answer program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a question on the Bible or the Christian faith, you can call us at 1 888 827 5276. That's 1 888 Ask CSN. Now let's get things started. Here's today's host. Everyone, this is Pastor Gerald Skinner of Calvary Chapel Pearl Harbor. I'm filling in for Pastor Mike Kessler today. We're looking forward to a great program. And on with me today, we have Pastor John Randall of Calvary Chapel or South Orange County. And John, it's great to be with you today. Looking forward to the program and the, of course, all the great questions that come in from all the people across the country and uh, just different places all over. And it's just so much fun to hear from them and. To see their excitement, they want to grow in the Word of God. They've got great questions that they call in with. And uh, as God leads us together, we're going to be answering them from the Word of God and blessing their hearts, helping them to grow in their faith, draw closer to Jesus. And for the skeptic out there, you don't know Christ yet, give us a call. We'd love to share with you and talk to you, and we're here for you. It's exciting to be with you. John, so what's going on? How are you doing? I'm doing great, Daryl. It's so great to see you again, brother. Uh, always love to be over there in the islands with you. And it seems like I get over there once a year, but uh, miss you this last year. But great to see you here online. Excited for the program today. Yeah, you know what? And uh, I'm excited to be on with you. It's been a while since we've talked, and but it's uh, always a, a great blessing and, and see how God's using your life in the ministry and, of course, your church. Uh, not only uh, locally, but across the nation and into the world. Is there anything new and exciting that you want to share with us that God's showing you and are doing uh, with your church? Well, I think, uh, you know, as so many churches, we've been talking about it this week, uh, even here on the program, but coming into December, you know, Daryl, this is the time when so many people want to come out for church, and I'm glad they do. It's my prayer, and I'm sure for yours as well, that when they come, especially those that kind of just come once a year, that they would stay that they would get truly saved and born again and realize that uh, being a believer isn't just showing up at Christmas, but man, God's got so much more. So that's really my heart. And there's a lot of things in the church happening right now as we're just getting ready to proclaim the message of the gospel week in and week out. You know, it's it's exciting that Christmas time or Easter time, people, you know, they do make that trip maybe once a year. But it's also a time of great outreach, you know, as as we encourage uh, the the steady eddies, if you will, of the church. They're always coming every Sunday and and they're learning and they're growing to to encourage them to invite the unsaved family and friends or maybe those that are once in a while, you know, that show up. Invite them, give them a call, give them an email, give them a text message. Why don't you join me for church for, you know, this Sunday or this Christmas Eve or this, actually Christmas is going to be on Sunday this time. And why don't you come join me and, and, and my family? Let's get together. Let's go to church together and let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's see what God has, you know, kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a great uh, opportunity for great outreach. Uh, into uh, families and friends and and the community and coworkers as well as the stranger in the street for that matter. So it's very exciting. Now, if you've got a, if you if you've got a question, you'd love to give us a call. Give us a call at one eighty eight eighty eight ask CSN ask CSN, and that'll get you online. We have a line open. We're getting pretty filled up. So, John, why don't we do this? Why don't we go directly to uh, to the phone calls? And uh, looks like we're going to go to. Uh, I believe it's uh, uh, Amber in Phoenix, Arizona. Hopefully I've got this right, starting off. Amber in Phoenix, Arizona. Amber, are you there? Yes. Hi. How are you? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, Daryl. Um, I have a question. 
and um, it's about marriage and remarried marrying. Um, I am. I've went to three different pastors, and I'm getting. Um, and I've been to the Word myself, and I understand where the the Word says about. Um, can I tell you my situation, and you give me the advice? Sure. Um, it, it, just keep it short because we got a lot of callers, okay. but uh, we, we don't okay. want to miss your, what, you, what, you, what we need to answer your question is. Okay. Okay. This, I am going to be married this month. We have planned the wedding and I am on the verge of marrying a man, but I have been married once before when I was very, very young and I wasn't saved. And this will be his third marriage. Um, Am I going to be stuck in adultery? And is that what is your your take on that? I'm <laughs> I really need some some sound wisdom. I'm getting different from three different pastors. So, um, all righty. Well, let's uh, let's uh, let's give it a shot here, uh, John. You want to uh, respond to uh, Amber's uh, question about marriage and and what she's going through? Well, first of all, marriage is a blessing from the Lord, and it's to be between one man and one woman for life. That was God's intention from the very beginning, and it's something that God considers sacred and holy. Um, Amber, I think there's probably more details to the story that you've shared with us and about your plans coming up. So there would probably uh, need to be a little bit more that I would need to know. But I will say this. I'll give you some counsel, and that is in light of the situation where this man has been married three times— and you have been married one time, you need to get some serious marital, premarital counseling, if you haven't already, before you enter into this. Why Why did these other marriages end? What was the reason? Um, I, I think that these are some things that I'd really want to consider. Um, is he a believer? Is he born again? Is there fruit of his salvation? And there's a lot of questions because, listen, this is supposed to be for life. And so... Um, that that would be my initial counsel to you. You need to, if you haven't yet, premarital counseling. But as it relates to adultery, um, you know, I'll let my my brother comment on that in light of the circumstances. I think uh, Amber, as you look to your life and what the Lord's doing, I don't know the background of the man at all. I don't know if he's was divorced three times and he got saved, or he's been divorced while he was supposedly saved, or whatever, or who's divorcing who, who committed what why he ended up in, in that divorce situation. There's a lot of different scenarios. And as John shared, it's important to get some good uh, good biblical counseling from a pastor one-on-one with the two of you and and uh, unravel of the various scenarios that you've both gone through and uh, and find out, you know, uh, is, is, is this going to be a healthy relationship? Is it going to be a long-lasting relationship? Do we take it seriously? Is Are we thinking biblically? Are we equally yoked, not unequally yoked, as the Bible declares, not to be unequally yoked? Um, and, you know, from your side of what you just shared with us, you said, I was married once before, I was young, uh, ended up in divorce, I wasn't saved. Uh, as a born-again Christian now, you are, the Bible says, you're a new creation in Christ. All things have been passed away. All things have become new. And so you have nothing to worry about on your end. Now, on his end, that's a whole other story that we would have to, uh, uh, that when you get the counseling, you would have to unravel with that particular pastor and and uh, find out what, what took place in his life 
And where's this commitment level with God? I always tell people, you know what? So many times it's, it's all about the, the character, uh, not the, not the, the, the outside influences of, of the person, but what is the character of the person? Is the character of Christ emanating from them? Uh, do they go to church without you? Do they pray without you? Are they in the word of God without you? Uh, and they're not just doing these things because they want to be with you, but they have their own personal relationship with Jesus are growing and they're being very blessed. So Amber, I don't know if we're helping you or not. I hope we are. Just give me a little bit of insight, but it sounds like a real good, uh, healthy counseling uh, situation uh, with your pastor at the local church that you attend. Anything else, yes. Amber? No, thank you, Daryl. Thank you very, very much. And thank you to the other one. John, yeah, you're well. You're very welcome, and and uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll in our own way we'll be praying for you and your decision because it's a very important decision. And God really wants to bless you mightily and abundantly, and watch over His kids. So it's going to be a great thing. God bless you, Amber. Thanks for calling. Let's go to uh, I believe it's Trisha in uh, Mississippi. Trisha, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. My question is about Deuteronomy 23 verse two, where any child born out of a a, a, a union, uh, basically the way I'm looking at it is a child born out of wedlock will not be able to enter the kingdom of God. Now, what about these people that are, you know, thank you, the people that are, are stopping girls from getting abortion, what happens to that child? Um you know, whether they were raped or, or they became pregnant, uh, you know, through a boyfriend or something and were stopping the abortion, what happens to that child? Uh, that's an in- interesting question, Tricia. And, John, would you like to uh, respond to this one in regards to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 23? I'll read the verse, and then, John, I'll let you uh, give it a give it a go here. It says, One of illegitimate birth shall not enter the assembly of the Lord, even in the tenth generation, none of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord. That's Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 2. We call this the Torah, the last book of the Torah. Uh, John, go right ahead. Yeah, one of the first five books of the Bible, Genesis or Deuteronomy, known as the Pentateuch, written by Moses. And this was under the Old Covenant. And what this passage is, first of all, what it's not saying is that uh, some people mistakenly think um, that an illegitimate person can't be saved or greatly used by God. That's not what it is in reference to. Actually, what it's in reference to is saying that a child born out of wedlock or illegitimate was not able to be part of Israelite citizenship up to the 10th year. This was a stipulation that God placed upon his people. But it does not mean that they could not be used or that they could not be saved to the glory of God. And so um, sometimes there is, just at first reading, a misunderstanding of that particular passage. And I would say to our listeners, uh, Pastor Daryl, that when you come across a passage that seems to, it just seems confusing, that you compare Scripture with Scripture, and then it helps you to have a better understanding of what's said so you don't arrive at the wrong conclusion. But, but Tricia, that is a common misconception just at first read, um, just to answer your question. Yeah, and you know the other thing. Also, looking at uh, the the context of the entire Word of God, we know this was specifically given to the Jewish people mm-hmm. for who they are under the law. We, as New Testament believers, 
we we recognize the grace and the mercies of God. And God's grace and mercy in the Old Testament was also for those who were not only Jewish, but also for Gentiles. God, God is always in the business of salvation. And when it comes to uh, our New Testament, we find so many times uh, you, you look at things and people try to go to the law and pull it out and then put it into our New Testament faith. And the Bible says, no, we're, we're not under the law any longer. We're under grace. And uh, a beautiful uh, book to read on that is you read the book of Galatians. It's a great blessing of, of freedom and, and God's ways of not, we're no longer under the law. We learn from the law of God, but we're not to be held under that law because so many of these laws were given to the nation of Israel to be his own special people, to be a, a holy people who are going to be a testimony of a holy and righteous God to the entire world. That'd be Jew and Gentile alike. And Jesus became the effulgence of that as he came to this earth. He lived amongst us. He, he performed miracles. He's He's God, our Savior. He went to the cross and died for our sins. And he atoned for the sins of all people, Jew and Gentile alike, so that all can be saved. So it's an interesting passage for the nation of Israel, but it's not something that we say, no, you cannot be saved because you're illegitimately born. God loves the, the orphans, the widows, and so forth. We have special passages of scriptures there, and he loves all people. He wants all to be saved, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. And you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. So, Tricia, does this help you out today? Uh, yes, it does. It, it does. Thank you very much. Yeah, always always remember the context is real important. Where's the context of the passage? And this is dealing with the children of Israel in the Old Testament as compared to where we're at today in the New Testament. And uh, it's it's uh, it's a good uh, theme, to, a theme of thought to maintain as you look to the context of the Old and the New Testament. So, hey, God bless you, Tricia. Stay on the line. we got some things for you. The uh, God of Wonders video, as well as uh, uh, the uh, Evolution versus God, Mike's book, Pastor Mike's book on uh, It's Time to Grow, New Believer book, and it really blesses your heart. And I think we have 101 prophecies for you, too. So everybody that calls in, if you stay on the line, we'll get you those gifts, and you'll be super blessed with those items. Uh, so thanks for calling, Tricia. Great to hear from you. Have a beautiful day. Let's go to uh, Jerry in Missoula, Montana. Uh, Jerry, are you there? Yes. I was wondering um, why Jesus needed to be baptized since he was sinless. Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'll 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 start off this one this time, and uh, you know he had to. It, it says he was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, he's setting an example for us, really, of what he's going to do on the cross and his death and resurrection. And so, what we find is we get baptized not for salvation, but for testimony. You first get saved by faith, by placing faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, you repent of your sins. That means you go from unbelief to belief, and then you realize, I'm going to start living a life that follows Jesus and not following the ways of the world or the ways of the flesh, the ways of immorality. And your life is being changed by the, sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit. But he said, let this, I want to be baptized and let this fulfill righteousness. In other words, I'm going to show the people who follow me the right way. It, 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 which represents when we get water baptized, we go down under the water saying our old sinful life is now dead and we've been washed by the blood of the, of the lamb as we come out of the water. 
We walk in the newness of life, which is a testimony of what Jesus did for us. He died for our sins on the cross. He washes us with his precious blood. He atones for us. And then we walk in the newness of life in him, that resurrected life, or to be born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. John, go ahead and add to this, and uh, and uh, we'll bless our sister Jerry. Well, Jerry, it's an amazing passage there that you can see in the Gospels when Jesus came down to the Jordan there to be baptized by John. And as Terrell pointed out, I mean, John the Baptist was hesitant, and you can imagine why. Uh, but when he saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then when he came into the water, John said, well, I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus stopped him, as was said, and said, I need, I need to fulfill all righteousness. The interesting thing about that, one of the things that stands out about the baptism of Jesus is that he was identifying with us. And I love that he identified with us in everything, in his humanity. He was sinless. He was perfect, the spotless lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. John couldn't say that if, in fact, he had sin, but he didn't. But he identifies with us. And the beautiful thing, Gerald, I love about that passage is when Jesus comes up out of the water, it says that the spirit of God descended upon mm. him in the form of a dove. And the father declared, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It's almost like you get the picture of the Trinity. You've got the father, you've got the son descending, or pardon me, you've got the spirit descending, you've got the son coming out of the water, and you got the father speaking, this is my beloved son. And then right after that, Jesus is about to enter into his public ministry. And so it's a powerful presentation of his identification with us. You know, uh, Jerry, it's, it's as John just explained so beautifully about the heavens being opened and the spirit descending and, and then the father speaking. I, I always correlate that at every baptism we do here in Hawaii, which is really nice because we always have good weather. <laughs> it's fairly warm. The water's warm. Uh, not to make people feel bad about that, but it's uh, it's a great time. And and you know what? I always share with them. It says, now heaven is open for you. And now the Father looks at you as one of his beloved children. And he's pleased that you've come to faith in his son, Jesus. And you know what? You can now pray and talk to your dad in heaven. And he's going to listen to your prayers. In fact, he listens to them so much. He stores all of our prayers in in the in a, in a bowl in bowls, if you will, in heaven, and and he stores them because he, he doesn't cast them away. They're so vitally precious to him that our heavenly Father hears what his children are saying, and he will respond. It may be a yes, it may be a no, maybe a wait, but he takes all of our prayers and keeps them in the, those precious bowls in heaven. And I I always think about that. I said, what a what a great dad we have who loves us tremendously in Jesus, who's the mediator. He's given us access to heaven. What a what a blessed God we serve and how wonderful he is. And it's not only for today, but it's forever and ever and ever. So, Jerry, does that help you out? That was wonderful. Yeah, it sure did. Well, God bless you, sister. Stay on the line. We want to give you those gifts and and the video, the DVDs and so forth, the videos. And we encourage you always to share with family and friends because they're great uh, videos for witnessing and so forth about God's glorious creation and his wonderful love. So, uh, hey, folks, if you have a thanks for calling, Jerry. If you have a if you have a question, give us a call at one eighty eight eighty eight ask CSM. That's one. 8888-ASK-CSM. We have a few lines open. Love to hear from you. Give us a call, and we'd love to help you with your questions about the Lord, about the Bible, about what you hear in church on a weekly basis, uh, whether it be cults or pro Bible prophecies are always exciting, especially the days we're living today. So give us a call. Let us know what's on your heart. Hey, let's go to uh, Royce in uh, in uh, Utah. Royce, how you doing out there? 
I'm doing good. Thank you. Wonderful. How can we help you out? Uh, my question is about the Millennial Kingdom. Um, are we going to, uh, after the rapture, um, just be placed into the kingdom there or and then grow and live? And, of course, there will still be death, I've heard. But um, or are we going to uh, marry, basically, and raise families and have children? Uh, John, you want to tackle this one? Well, those who, first of all, as it relates to the believers who are raptured, that will be those who are believers in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that in First Thessalonians chapter 4, First Corinthians also makes reference to this, that we're going to be caught up together to be with the Lord and safely tucked away. Meanwhile, down here on the earth, seven years of tribulation unfolds. At the end of that seven years of tribulation, we, the church, who have been raptured, we come back, we're in our glorified bodies. Jesus establishes his kingdom. We begin the millennial reign. The earth begins to repopulate. People will be getting married. People will be having children. And there will be a perfect rule and reign. What are we going to be doing? Well, we're going to be ruling and reigning with Christ. For us, in our glorified bodies, we won't be getting married. We will be like what well, Jesus said in Matthew 22, like the angels. We're not going to procreate anymore. We, we have a, a different role and a different place in these glorified bodies serving the Lord during the millennial reign of Christ. Yeah, you know, as we look to uh, that 1,000-year reign of Christ, it's spoken of in the book of Revelation, chapter 20. Chapter 19, you have the second return of Jesus Christ. And, of course, as John just shared, uh, it's at the end of the seven years of tribulation, which is Revelation, chapter 6 through 19, if you want to read about what's going to happen, the great catastrophic events, and, of course, the wrath of God being poured out against a God-rejecting, Christ-rejecting world. At the end of that seven years, there'll be a separating of the sheep and the goats. The goats who took the mark of the beast will be cast to Hades, waiting for the final judgment. And the sheep are those who did not take the mark of the beast, and they're going to be allowed to enter into the 1,000-year reign of Christ. And they will populate the earth, having children and children and children and children. Uh, and we, as we return with the Lord Jesus, we're in our glorified bodies. We cannot sin. We will not sin. The devil is bound for a 1,000 years during this time. And we will be, the Bible says, a kingdom of priests, spiritually reigning and ruling on the earth with Jesus, who reigns and rules from the throne of David in Jerusalem during that 1,000 years. We're going to be very busy, folks, and there'll be nations that are established under the Lord and so forth. We'll be spiritually ministering to people. We'll have the mind of Christ, and uh, it's it's going to be quite quite a time. In fact, uh, from what I read in the scriptures as commentaries and so forth, it's, it's the earth could very likely be changed back to like the Garden of Eden, absolutely beautiful and and fruitful and all these things are going to be taking place and and the lion lays down with the lamb and so forth or, or the wolf with the lamb and and so forth and it's going to be incredible and uh uh all deformities will be healed uh, diseases are being healed by the lord it's going to be a marvelous marvelous time it's unfortunate though at the la at the end of the thousand year reign of christ there's going to be satan will be let out of uh uh, the abyss, and it'll be allowed to go across the nations. And that will be the testing of the hearts of all the people that are existing during that time of the uh, of the thousand-year reign. Us as believers, we're glorified. We don't have to worry about a thing. Uh, but uh, the at that, that point in time, the world has to make a choice. Uh, are they going to serve Jesus? Are they going to honor Jesus, love Jesus, love God, or not? 
or they're going to follow the ways of the devil. That'll be the final the final battle that'll take place at the end of the thousand year reign of Christ. And then uh, from that point on, decisions are made. All non-believers go to the great white throne judgment, and then cast into the lake of fire. Whereas all believers in Jesus throughout all of human history, we're head off to the new heavens, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem where righteousness dwells. But we'll be busy believers on earth during the thousand years, just loving the Lord and enjoying life and, and letting him use our lives. And it's going to be marvelous. It's, I, I can't, I, you just, you just can't even imagine it. It's going to be so incredible. So, uh, anyway, uh, Royce, are we helping out with, uh, with these two answers? If you have another question, let us know. Uh, well, yeah, it kind of got me a little bit confused because I actually I've had some problems with uh, you know my social life with um, and marriage and you know I'm a born again Christian but I I really actually was kind of looking forward to maybe uh, there an op- another opportunity in the millennial reign um, because of my situation and you know I'm just getting kind of older I was wondering is there any way that you could pray for me as far as um, finding that right uh, spouse in Christ in this life. Absolutely. You know, the Bible declares, and I'm going to hand over to John to pray, the Bible declares that we're going to be married to Christ. He's the bridegroom, we're the bride. We're going to go up there to the marriage supper of the Lamb and and the marriage feast and so forth will take place. All these things will happen. But, uh, uh, John, why don't you uh, pray for our brother Royce and uh, his situation? I'll do it. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word declares that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Lord, I just pray for our brother Royce right now. Lord, you know the desires of his heart. Lord, I pray in the time of waiting that he would concentrate on being the right person and that, Lord, in doing so, you would bring him the right person. Lord, I pray for others out there who maybe during this time of year, Lord, they get lonely and and Christmas and different things or that kind of uh, almost just kind of triggers some of these things. Lord, I, I pray that you would bring comfort and encouragement. And Lord, in the meantime, that Royce would be busy about what you've called him to do. He would find his strength and joy in pursuing the things of God and your timing. Lord, you'd bring him that helpmate. And so we lift him up to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, Royce, God bless you, my friend. And I'm sure you got a lot of people out there praying for you right now in your situation and i know god loves you and he's going to bless you so uh uh as as time goes on and you get blessed give us a call back let us know how things are going all right my friend we we love you very much all righty let's go to uh what well, we we're almost at time for a break i believe it's just a few seconds away uh yes there's those there's that music once again folks we'll take a quick break then we'll be right back with to every man and answer god bless you So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for healthcare. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true. The typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills, and it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, 
They'll waive your new member fees and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited time offer. You have to sign up before December 31st. Great savings, great health care. Find out more. Call now, 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE, 855-91-BIBLE. As the days grow darker, children are under more attack than ever, and it starts at conception. Sadly, one in five pregnancies will end in abortion. But in the midst of this awful tragedy, there is something you can do about it. Preborn Pregnancy Clinic's mission is to equip pregnancy centers nationwide to help save babies' lives and souls. And every day, preborn clinics rescue 150 babies' lives by introducing mothers to their babies on ultrasound. That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing. And when she got here, it was just, oh my gosh. Preborn clinics are the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country, introducing moms to their preborn babies. To learn how you can help rescue a baby's life, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. All gifts are tax deductible. Aloha, everyone. This is Pastor Gerald Skinner of Calvary Chapel, Pearl Harbor, and I'm on with uh, Pastor John Randall of Calvary uh, South OC, Orange County. And it's great to have you all together with us on To Every Man and Answer. If you'd like to give us a call, there's a line open. It's 188-88-SCSN. And for all the callers that call in, we have some special gifts for you. Uh, two DVDs. One is Evolution versus God. The other is God of Wonders. And we have a pamphlet called 101 prophecies and of course pastor mike's booklet to help you grow in the faith it's time to grow a beautiful booklet that helps learn sound doctrine as a new born-again christian and it's it's a good little tool to grow with so we're looking forward to uh, our second half of the program now and let's go to the phones right away we have uh, patrick in palm springs california patrick how you doing and how can we help you out i'm good brothers hey uh so my question is, um, I don't have my word with me right now, but there's a scripture that says, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And um, and then Jesus hanging on the cross, you know, we know Jesus became sin for us on the cross and took the sins of, of the world upon him. But how is hanging on a cross the same as hanging on a tree because I've heard, I've heard it taught that uh, that was a fulfillment of a prophecy of some sort. Basically, my question is, how is hanging on a on a cross hanging on a tree? Because it it doesn't seem the same to me. Uh, John, you want to take a a go a go at this? Sure. Thanks so much for the call, Patrick. And out here in California, God bless you, brother. Hey, listen, um, Acts chapter 5, verse 30, it's referred to, Jesus is referred to as hanging on a tree in reference to the cross. Acts chapter 10, 
Verse 39, uh, it says again that Jesus was hanged on a tree in reference to the cross. Acts 13, 29, again, there is a reference about the tree. Um, the scripture you're quoting, Galatians three thirteen, where Paul is talking about Jesus became a curse for us. Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. He took our sin upon himself on the tree. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24, also refers to Jesus bearing our sins in his own body on the tree. Basically, when you read tree and cross, the Bible says when it says he hung on a tree, it's just describing a structure of wood. It's not talking about actual tree growing out of the ground. It, it was the cross that he hung on. And that is just a, a reference uh, to that. It's, it's the same thing. And um, him hanging on the cross or the tree, taking our sins is what it's a reference to. I hope that helps. Yeah, and you know, Patrick, as we look to the prophetic picture of our Lord going to that cross, going to that tree, you read in Psalm 22, King David prophesied a thousand years before Christ showed up on the scene. He said that his hands and his feet would be pierced and so forth. And thus, when Jesus came the first time, he fulfilled 456 prophecies. When he comes the second time, it'll get to 1,000 prophecies. And this was, makes the Bible so unique compared to any other a religious book in the world. The Bible is prophetic. It tells the future. And thus, it's, it's, it brings facts to our faith. And so, as John just shared, hanging on the tree or the old rugged cross, the wooden cross, is speaking the same way of of how the Messiah must come and must die and save us from our sins. He took the curse of sin upon himself, our sins, thank goodness, and now we've been set free, set free from sin, set free from death, and set free from the devil himself, as the Bible says in Hebrews. So does that help you out, my brother? Go ahead, Patrick. Yeah, yeah, amen. It, it really does. So, uh, it, it, so it is the wood. It's the wood that's, yeah. that's the similar. Okay, got it. Got it. You okay. got it, man. Well, right on. Thanks, bro. Great question. I appreciate You have a great day, bro. God bless. Hey, let's go to Jay in Missouri. Jay, how you doing out there? I'm doing fine. Thank you very much, and thank you for making my call. My question was, I know that God is omniscient, so he can be with us at all times and all places, but I've heard conflicting information. When we pray aloud... Are we giving the devil ammunition to use against us since he can hear our words, but the devil can't hear our thoughts? Um, No, I don't think you're giving ammunition to the devil when you pray, because when you pray, Jesus said, if you pray anything in my name, I will do it. He didn't say pray in anybody else's name. And he didn't tell us to worry about uh, uh, that the devil may be hearing our prayers. I think of what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. We have many other prayers that are written down for us throughout the scriptures from uh, uh, Daniel to Nehemiah and others. Uh, Paul the Apostle has several prayers in the epistles. And so uh, we're never told to worry about uh, our prayers and what the devil might do with them. Uh, When we pray in the authority of Jesus Christ in the Word of God, then, uh, you know, the devil cannot stand against us. And it's very important for us. The Bible says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he must flee from you. So it's important for us not to put our mind on the devil, but to put our mind on God. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He must flee from you. We have nothing to fear. God's not given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So when we pray, uh 
there's there's no worries. I'll hand over to John, let him uh, get his perspective. John, go ahead. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, the devil's been around for a long time. He's been a student of humanity since the beginning. And so he knows uh, a lot being a student of mankind. But praying out loud um, is a blessing. And also praying in silence is a blessing. There's two different ways to pray, but but one doesn't uh, give him more ammunition, I suppose, than he already has on us. Uh, he's observed our lives. He knows what to bring up and, and how to attack the mind. But that's why, as as Pastor said so wonderfully, you know, we, we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. If there's a thought that comes in or the enemy's attacking, man, I resist that in Jesus' name. And I combat the enemy with Scripture. Jesus said out loud to the enemy when he was confronted, it is written. And so we use the word of God. And I like to use the word of God in prayer. And I like to use it out loud in a lot of cases. Amen. Uh, Does that help you out, Jay? It does help me out. But could you tell me the scripture that you quoted just a little bit ago where I could find that, please? Uh, Which one was it? It was the very last one that God's not giving us fear or resist the devil. Resist the devil. Uh, that is in James chapter four, verse seven. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good deal. James chapter four, verse seven. That's right. Yep. Good job. Anything else, Jay? We're good? Nope. Nope. That was, that was all my question. Thank you very much. Hey, great question. Thank you, Jay, for calling and you have a beautiful day. Stay on the line. We'll get you those gifts, those DVDs and the booklets and so forth. So, uh, Hey, let's go to Cheryl and, uh, Santan Valley, Arizona. Uh, Cheryl, how you doing in Santan Valley? I'm great. Thank you, pastors, for taking my call. Fabulous. So my what, what help question is, um, I'm thinking in Revelation, and I'm thinking towards the tribulation. Our church is studying this, and we're studying book studies. But um, where is the separation of the sheep and the goats? Well, it's found in Matthew chapter uh, 20, uh, 25. And you have the separation there of the sheep and the goats as at the second return of Christ. And so that's where you find it's known as the Olivet Discourse. And uh, it's at the end of the chapter of chapter 25. And the Olivet Discourse is a prophetic discourse regarding the end times and how to know that we're in the end times, the signs of the times, as well as uh, uh, what's going to be happening uh, in regards to there's there's a great correlation between the book of Revelation and Matthew 25 discourse. And and then also Jesus talks about the uh, the rapture of the church he, in Matthew 24, as well as the beginning of chapter 25. Then we get also to the uh, the 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 uh, beam of seat of Christ or the rewards that we'll receive. And then he talks about his second coming. There'll be a separation of the sheep and the goats. And uh, that's and the the goats we find, you know, anyone takes the mark of the beast. It says in the book of Revelation that uh, this you're done. You're done. Uh, you're not. There's no second opportunities for you as you took that mark of the beast. And that's what the scriptures declare. And so the sheep are those who have belief in Christ and uh, trust in Christ. And they'll be allowed to come into the 1000 year reign of Christ as we will return with the Lord Jesus at his second coming. And as I said earlier, establish his kingdom. John, go right ahead. You want to add to this? Well, I agree. I think that is that is something to be aware of. And I, I just could add that we definitely want to be on the sheep side of things, uh, not the goat <laughs> side of things. We want to be uh, we want to enter into that kingdom and be a part of it. I suppose maybe the question would be, Pastor, um, is it, when it comes to and this is a good question. 
you know, the Matthew, where it talks about the separated sheep and goats, where does that fall in the timeline? I think you mentioned it earlier uh, in Revelation. You mentioned that. Um, does it, where does that fall in light of it's following the second coming, obviously, in which chapter in, in Revelation does that actually happen? Yeah, we would have to say Revelation chapter 19 is the second okay. return of Jesus yeah. Christ as he comes. There'll be the Battle of Armageddon. Uh, and then there'll be, according to the book of Daniel, chapter 12, there'll be about 30 days. Uh, most Bible scholars believe there'll be 30 days of mourning. Uh, and that's, that's where it says, well, uh, I'll just try to explain briefly here. Uh, Jesus is going to return 1260 days from the midway point of the seven years of tribulation. We're told that uh, in the book of Revelation, it says 42 months, 1260 days. Then Daniel tells us there'll be, uh, blessed is he who finds himself to the 1290th day, and that speaks of 30 days. Most Bible scholars think it could be the time of mourning and uh, uh, cleansing the temple or or that extra 45 days found in Daniel, which goes from 1290 to uh, 1335 uh, day. That would put it at uh, a cleansing of the temple and the establishment of the of the millennial kingdom and also the separating of the sheeps and the goats. So this is where we tie in from the Old Testament of Daniel's prophecy, chapter 9, 10, 11, and 12. And then you go to the Olivet Discourse, you go to the book of Revelation, you find out it all fits together like a beautiful puzzle. And the word of God is, is you know, speaks of this comfort of, of, of the scriptures, a light in the darkness that brings us uh, understanding for these last days. So hopefully that uh, helps you out, Cheryl. Uh, John, anything else you want to add to this? Well, I would just say that, yes, I believe I'm right along with you. I'm tracking with you that at the end of the tribulation, Jesus comes back. There's the battle of Armageddon. And I believe uh, that that is where there is the separation right there of the sheep and the goats. And of course, then we enter into, as you mentioned, all those days, um, but we enter into the millennial reign of Christ. So that is where revelation, where it takes place. At the second coming, it's going to take place, Cheryl. So does that help you out, my dear? Yes, it does. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Hey, God bless you. Have a beautiful day and go for God, okay? Hey, let's go to uh, Steve in Idaho. Steve, how you doing? How can we help you out? Good. Well, yeah, I wonder, a couple calls ago, um, one of the answers was that, uh, in the answer was that God um, loves our prayers and puts them in a bowl or something to that effect. And I just wonder, is that an analogy or is that in you know a verse somewhere that is in the book of revelation chapter five i think it is uh john you uh yeah yeah it was revelation chapter five and and daryl was mentioning that where our prayers come before him like incense and they're, they're placed in bowls and that was that is what he was referring to that particular passage in revelation chapter five where john sees the um, John's caught up, you remember, and he sees the heavenly scene there. And one of the things that he observes is the prayers of the saints and the placement of them. And they're they're basically before the throne of God. And um, I think it's in a lot of ways, you know, it's it's symbolic of the fact that God God hears our prayers. He knows about them. They're there. Um, and John gets this up close and personal visual of what's going on in the throne room of God, which is encouraging and amazing all at the same time. You know, uh, I'll read you the passage so everybody can hear it. It says in Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, it's known as the heavenly scene, chapters 4 and 5. We're raptured up, Church of Philadelphia. We keep the word of God. We will not deny his name. Jesus promises this church in the last days. He says, I'll keep you from the hour of trial that will come upon all those who dwell on the earth. 
So then we find that the church, the church is mentioned like 20 times in Revelation 1 to 3 and not mentioned at all from then on, which means the church is in heaven. We find ourselves in heaven in Revelation 4 and 5. And this will be the heavenly scene that we're going to experience at the rapture of the church. But we're told as a precious uh, uh Momento or whatever you want to call it, uh, what God does with our prayers. It says in chapter 5, verse 8, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And then it says they sang a new song and so forth. So you find there that uh, there's bowls where there are prayers that have been prayed throughout all time. God restores them. And because they're precious, they're precious to him, for him to hear from his children. That's why it's precious for us to be talking to our Heavenly Father, Daddy, Daddy, Abba, Father, and talking to him and having fellowship with him each and every day. Uh, Does that help you out, Steve? It does. Thank you. You know, I I had, um, well, I've read that, and I remembered the part about the aroma, like he could smell them, but I didn't remember the part about the bowls, like he could see them and Put his fingers in them and tussle them. <laughs> isn't, isn't, a great, isn't a great symbolism that takes place where it says they come up as incense? It's, it's a beautiful aroma to God when we pray. So this is why the Lord teaches us to always be in a praying people. That's what Paul says. Hey, pray without ceasing, man. Rejoice always. Give thanks and so forth. Because we need to be uh, praising our God. We need to be worshiping our God. We need to be uh, communicating to our God. And and God uh, God will respond to us through the Word of God. This is the key. Through the Word of God is the best way to hear His voice. And He'll He'll bless you tremendously, each and every one of us. Uh, so, God, hey, Steve, I'm glad we were able to help you out and uh, have a beautiful day in the Lord. Let's go to Mark in Salt Lake City, Utah. Mark, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you. My question is concerning First Peter, uh, yeah, First Peter chapter three, verses eighteen and nineteen, where it says, "For Christ being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison." So my questions are: What does it mean when he was made alive in the spirit, and who were the spirits in prison? John, go right ahead. Thank you for giving me that one, Daryl. <laughs> I like how you, I like how you did that just quickly, John. <laughs> hey, Mark, God bless you, brother. Great question right there. First of all, alive in the spirit. Um, Jesus, obviously in his humanity, he was crucified. He was put to death, as Peter mentions there. He suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh. That is physically, he was put to death. It was a physical death. These people that say, well, he really didn't die. Jesus just kind of fainted and they kind of just, he revived in the tomb. Uh, False, fake news. That's not true. He died a physical death. They pierced him through his side. Blood and water ran out. He went into the tomb and there he was buried. And the third day he was alive. He was alive from the dead. He was alive in the spirit. No longer uh, was he dead anymore? In fact, we see multiple times in the scriptures where he revealed himself to his followers. But it was a little different than they saw him before. This new body that he had, alive in the spirit, he could pass through walls. He could be here one second and gone the next. And uh, he could eat food, and the next minute he could be cooking food. I mean, it was a, he was absolutely alive. So I think Peter is just making the reference to the fact that Jesus was dead, 
and he is now alive. But in the interim, and this is where I'm going to let Daryl pontificate, in the interim (laughs) of his death and resurrection, something happened there. And Pastor Daryl, tell him what happened. Well, it says for the listeners out there saying, put it all together, it says, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight souls were saved through water. So what we find is Jesus went, as he went to, uh, uh, we call it Hades, He's we know that there's a great separation between uh, those who are going to be judged in Hades. They're in place of torment. As we read about the rich man in Luke 16, he's going to be judged. And, and and others are there also, all non-believers, waiting for the final judgment. And for the believers, they were they had gone to Abraham's bosom, like uh, Lazarus, the poor beggar, as he describes in the story, the historical event in Luke chapter 16 of two people's lives and how they died and where they went. So we find here Jesus is preaching to these spirits there and, and informing them, I am your Messiah, the one that you trusted in, the one to come, of which the scriptures, the Holy Scriptures, from Genesis all the way through Malachi have been speaking of. I'm the one that has now fulfilled these things. I am the Son of God. I'm here, and I am your Redeemer. Uh, they look to the Redeemer to come. We look to the, to the Redeemer that came, and thus we are all saved uh, accordingly. So that's uh, where we see the scriptures. Now, some have even said he preached to the fallen angels uh, during that time that were held in a in an abyss too. Uh, and so it's it's there's some debate there, but uh, that's pretty much what the scripture says. Jesus was three days, uh, according to Ephesians chapter four. He first he he uh, descended, then he ascended. The Bible declares he took captivity captive unto himself. Mm-hmm. That is those that were there. So we see that his declaration is is a declaration of who he is and what he's done, and he's there for three days. Then he comes, uh, he comes out of the tomb on the third day as he promised, and he walks the earth for forty days. And then ten days later, he, well, he then ascends to heaven. Ten days, you have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and uh, the church begins. Does that help you out, my friend? Yes, that helps us out a lot, yeah. And, and I want to make sure that what it's not saying is that Jesus went down there, he preached the gospel to the spirits in prison, and that they had a second chance that they could accept it now. That is not what is—some some religions believe that, but that's not what we're, we're, it's stating here, correct? Yeah, absolutely not. Once you die, the Bible says, then comes the judgment. So there's no second chances, there is no purgatory. Uh, and that's Those are fallacies that's not found in the Scriptures— uh, even uh, in the the historical event of Luke chapter 16, uh, Abraham told the, the rich man, he, you cannot cross over. It's done. There's a great gulf separating the two. You cannot cross over. And uh, and he's, then he says, well, send Lazarus back to my brothers, you know, on earth there, you know, so they don't come to this place. And he says, no, they have Moses and the prophets. They must listen to them. And today we have the entire Bible, and the world is being declared the entire Bible to come to salvation in Jesus Christ. And the whole world knows about Christmas. The whole world knows about Easter. And they have a choice to make, and hopefully they'll make the right one, which is come to Jesus. He is the Savior of your soul. He is Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. 
And uh, there's only one meeting between man and God. That is the man Christ Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. Amen and amen. So, Mark, hey, thank you so much for a great call. And uh, we're going to head on over to Roland from Odessa, Texas. Roland, how you doing? Oh, hey, I'm doing good. Uh, hello, pastors. Second uh, Samuel 24, 1 says that God had incited uh, David to do a census. And then First Chronicles 21, 1, it says Satan had incited David to do a census. Well, that's a good question. John, you have a good answer? Yeah, it's a good question, Roland. And uh, hello out there in Texas. I love you guys out there. Hey, listen, um, there is a discrepancy that's often explained by understanding that in order to achieve his purposes, sometimes God allows the adversary to act. And some people think this is a contradiction here of sorts. The fact is David knew in advance he was not supposed to take a census. David already had the awareness of what God's uh, desire was. And in this process of thinking about, and why take a census? The reason why I believe David took a census at this point is to see how much manpower do we have? Starts to trust in the, and rely perhaps on the army that he has. And yet in the midst of that, he knows what's right, but Satan comes in and tempts him. And he goes through with it. And then as the story continues to unfold, God ends up giving David a series of choices as it relates to his judgment for his disobedience. David knew what he did was wrong because immediately, remember, Dell, he, he goes into this whole thing. He, find, he knows that what he did was wrong and he ends up falling upon the mercy of God. But there were many people that um, were judged as a result of David's sin. And so there is that, that, that it's such an interesting passage of scripture, really. Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, as you were sharing with me, and then you're reflecting, and uh, and I'm thinking about some things and looking up some things uh, to refresh my memory. As as God has His ways of taking His 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 hand of protection off of whether it be Israel or people, because we're we're disobedient, and then Satan is allowed to do his work, and so God allows Satan to do this work. And uh, the, this judgment falls and thousands die. Uh, we, we always have to remember that uh, God is a God of love, a God of grace. He's a God of patience. And he, he, he's one that just is always there for us. But there comes a point in time he says, look, it, I've done all these things for you. And now you're deliberately being disobedient to me. Uh, why, why is this? And so, we don't want to find ourselves in that place, folks. We want to find ourselves in the in the safety of the Lord by staying in the realm of what His Scriptures declare. If you go outside of that, the Bible says, "Be not deceived; God is not mocked. That which a man sows, he shall also reap." If you sow to the flesh, you're going to sow corruption. If you sow the Spirit, you sow everlasting life. And this is a great uh, lesson that God has given us that we must believe in and we must live by. Uh, because it's just who he is. He, he's not going to force us to always make the right decision. He'll allow us to make a choice. So these are the things that happen. Wow. I think we're out of time. Wow, we're out of time. Hey, John, great program today. Good to hear from all the listeners today. If you call back Shannon or Royce or, or uh, Roland, or, uh, give us a call back. 
We'd love to hear from you tomorrow. We'll put you on right away. God bless. copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 